Why, hello there, everybody. Welcome to episode number 200, and drumroll, please, because I literally just looked it up on the internet of YouTube, and I forgot all of a sudden, because I am that kind of podcast host, 264. 264 episodes in the bag here at YWC Football Talk. And if you're on YouTube, what is that little thing you see in the way of my microphone? Oh, that is the Bodog promo that me and the boys at the Down by Two podcast here on Crowder Media are running. What does all this mean? Well, it's quite simple, actually. If you scan the QR code, that little QR code that you see right there, what will happen? Here's what's going to happen. If you scan that QR code, Bodog will match your first deposit of up to $400. Whether you're betting on the NBA, the NHL this weekend, NFL fully hot and heavy going into week 13 of the NFL season, or, you know what, this is what today's episode's about. It's going to be more of a college football-focused episode where they're betting on all the championship games, from the Pac-12 to the CUSA, Big 12, ACC, SEC, and everything in between. Scan the promo code, and remember, Bodog will match your first deposit of up to $400. Once again, Bodog, up to $400. Anyway, guys, we got a good one today. Big Rat's going to be here. I am starting a little bit prematurely. Why? Because why don't I get on here and talk to you all? We have a great weekend ahead of football. Look, it's like we were saying, college football playoffs are going to be announced on Sunday. Today, though, I know there's a lot of championship football games going on, but Big Rat and I are going to be focusing on the big one, which is the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 12, that's a lot of 12s. Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, ACC, and the Big 10, the ones with playoff implications on the lineup because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. Tomorrow night's game, huge implications um, because either team can get in. Big 12 playoff game, it's more for Texas. If Texas wins and has some magic fall their way, they could probably get in. SEC, that's where the chaos could really unravel, especially if Alabama wins as a betting underdog, believe it or not, which, yes, I have it on there. Uh, Iowa versus Michigan, like, we kind of know what to expect. We'll, we'll go into details more. And then, obviously, Florida State and Louisville, where things can get really, really, really goofy, wonky. Because there ain't no chaos, like college football chaos. And Houston Rodeo is a huge thing that happens in March. But this is all about the rodeo to Houston. So what's going to happen? You're going to have to sit back, relax, and wait and find out. Anyway, guys, stay tuned because coming up next, I'll be here with Big Rat live on YWC Football. He's right here to my right, Big Rat 310, once again back here on YWC Football Talk. But I was telling the people earlier this today. This isn't the typical NFL edition, even though I do have a surprise for you that's NFL related at the end. This is all about college football because this weekend is truly a weekend of an agent of chaos, if you will, for the playoff. And we get things started tomorrow night in the game. I think that has the biggest implications in what once was the forgotten conference, but now has been probably the best conference of the year in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, no, the Pac-12 has been, it's wild. This has been their best year in like two decades. And it's the year that the conference is closing up. It's really, really strange. They had, I forget the official stat. I think it's that at one point, nine of the 10 of the 12 teams were ranked, something like that. It was a very, very, very high number. Like Washington state and Oregon state who are not even 
in a Power Five network um, moving forward, a Power Five uh, conference moving forward. Uh, they were both ranked inside the top 15 and the top 20 for most of the year. I mean, Washington State towards the end started to fall apart, obviously. And, yeah. you know, they had, like, lost several games at the end, didn't even finish bowl eligible. But still, at both those teams at one point in the season were ranked very, very, very highly up there. So I think that it's a testament to the conference. They released a very, very good video. I don't know if anyone has seen it. There's a good video that they released on their own, kind of chronicling their own obituary. They, you know, kind of highlighted, you know, their favorite teams over the years. They highlighted the Heisman teams that they had that kind of came in and did really well. So I think I think it's a overall like a good story that as sad as it is that the conference is ending, it's nice that they both that the conference as a whole had a really, really strong year in terms of quality of teams and ending it with their best Pac-12 championship game in ages. Like, they are guaranteed to have a team in the playoff this year. Normally, not only are they excluded, it's usually even if you win your title game, there's no promises. This is like, you guys are in. You guys are in. You've earned it. You deserved it. And I think that's really, really cool. And I'm really, really happy for the conference for that reason. It's kind of like, I'm not going to use metaphor here, you're getting your roses on top of everything. And I always say that because obviously the winner of this game usually gets the right to play in the Rose Bowl game. So that's the big thing with this too, but it's just, it's the stage. It's the fact too Fowler and Herb Street are going to be on the call for this game. It's like you said, it's winner goes to the playoff. It's winner. You're playing on New Year's Day. And I'm sorry. I've said this before on the show and I stand by the statement. I think the Rose Bowl is one of the biggest stages in all of football, not just college football. There's just, it's, I, I, I said this to Markeem last year. It's kind of like a WrestleMania feel to it. You know how they say the granddaddy of them all. The Rose Bowl has that feeling to it. So for that team, the team here, the, hey, you could be playing the Rose Bowl or you could be playing in New Orleans. We don't know yet. We'll find all that out Sunday. It's just – it's something to add. But when it comes down to this game, I don't know why Washington is such a big dog, but I feel like it's a lot of people falling for them almost losing to Washington State last week to where – I don't know who's going to win the game, but I really like Washington on the, on the cover spread here. Yeah, so for those that uh, don't watch um... – like maybe you watch college football every now and then maybe you were really into the Pac-12 when Colorado was like ranked really highly. And then they obviously really fell off. They finished four and eight. I actually, I, I thought their win total was three and a half. Apparently it closed at four and a half in some books. So in some books, they didn't even go over their preseason win total, which is really, really sad. Yeah. yeah. Given what, given what the hype was at the time. Uh, but anyways, yeah, they're still going to be okay. We'll see what Shadur Sanders does. There's still a bright future. It's still an improvement over a one-win team last year. But onto this game. So yeah. Oregon played Washington, uh, like probably like about a month ago at this point, month and a half yeah. ago. Was, I think middle of October. Yeah, early That's middle of October, about six weeks ago. So when they played, uh, there were a lot of like power in college football, especially even more so than the NFL. Power ratings are a very big deal in the betting community because in college football, the talent is not equally distributed. In the NFL, I know, I know. yeah, sure, it may seem like in the NFL that a 10-7 team is so much better than a 7-10 team. But really, the differences are on the margins. The NFL is a league of all-stars. Everybody on every team is good. That's why the Cardinals can beat the Cowboys in week three when it seems incomprehensible because any given Sunday exists for a reason. There's a general even distribution of talent. Yes, obviously on the margins – the Miami Dolphins have more talent than the New York Jets do. Sure. But the gaps are not as big as we make them seem because it's still yeah. a sport with an oblong ball. There's a lot of variance. 
And we see upsets happen in the NFL all the time. In college football, it's not the same because there's no. not an equal distribution of talent. Like every team does not have the same amount of five stars, four stars, or three stars, in addition to like coaching, which is why you see this all the time in college football. Like there's these like really well coached teams that like just have no shot. Like Pat Fitzgerald, obviously, controversy aside for the heinous yep. he got deposed for last summer, but Pat Fitzgerald was regarded as a really, really good coach. But he could never go 12 and 0, like ever. It just didn't matter. And it doesn't matter how good of a recruiter he is. There's a ceiling on how much talent he can get at Northwestern. So I go on this diatribe because if you want to, the betting to the viewers out there, betting community relies on their power ratings a lot. Oregon's power ratings yeah. are a lot better than Washington's. And that's why they're such mm-hmm. big favorites here. Like Oregon has just as explosive as an offense. Obviously, Bo Nix is the favorite to win the Heisman if he wins this game. Just as explosive of an offense. You could even say even more explosive because Penix has slowed down a bit ever since that game that they beat Oregon in. Washington has has had some clunkers here and there a little bit, like going in and out. Yeah. Where, like, it's not just that Washington State game. You know, there was also, like, earlier, like, a little bit. I think it was, like, the week after the Oregon game, I want to say. They played Arizona State, and they only won 15-7. to And for those who don't know, Arizona State is, like, the – Second, the, the bottom of the Pac-12. Like, they lost to Colorado. I, that was Colorado's only Pac-12 win of the entire year was against Oregon's. I uh, was against um, um, Arizona State. So, Washington at home played them 15-7. to And that was a game where uh, Arizona was on the goal line. Arizona State was on the goal line, and their quarterback threw a pick six. So, like, truly, like, games like that in college football really penalize you. It's like you have so much more talent than this other team. You're at home. You should win by 40. You end up like they were. I'm looking it up now. They were favored by 28 points. They were favored by 28 points and they won by eight. And stuff like that in college football will be really held against you. So you might see the fact that Oregon beat, I mean, lost to Washington in a very close game. Why are they like, why are they, why are they favored by so much more? It's because Oregon has been killing everybody. They went to Utah and they won 35 to six. Utah never loses at home, ever. Like it's a, and they didn't just lose at home. They got murdered at home. Like that was a very important team too. Yes. And a team that doesn't make stupid mistakes, that doesn't have a lot of bad, like issues with penalties. And they lost 35 to six and they've just been crushing teams. That same Arizona state team that Washington struggled with Oregon beat them 49 to 13 in on the road in Arizona state. They played their rival Oregon state. We saw all across college football last week's rivalry games, always close. Auburn almost beat Bama. My Miami Hurricanes almost beat Florida State a few weeks back. You said Washington State almost beat Washington, despite Washington State not being bowl eligible. We see it all the time. Oregon plays Oregon State, and Oregon State is coming off their best season in like a decade, and they got they killed them. They won thirty-one to seven. Oregon beat the hell out of them, and so consistently, Oregon has been just dominating everybody they play to the point that they're getting a lot of respect in the power rating community. And that's why, like, even though Washington beat them, it was at home. People think that if the game was in Oregon, Oregon would have won. Oregon could have won that game anyways. They had a lot, they went for it a lot on fourth down, and they had a lot of fourth down variants go against them. And they're just more balanced. Their head coach, Dan Lanning, uh, is a really, really strong defensive mind. They're seventh in the country in points per game allowed. Oregon, that's like to viewers out there that doesn't watch Oregon, that's not, that might not be what you think about Oregon. You might think, their identity is, oh, the high-flying offense and the sketchy defense like they were in the Chip Kelly days or the Marcus Mariota days. That's not who they are right now. 
They're a dominant offense with a dominant defense, and Washington's defense is nowhere near as good. And that's why Oregon is favored by so much. There are smart people that think Oregon can actually win it all. That it, in my opinion, the only three teams that can really win it all, and Marquine can correct me, he's our overlord. In my opinion, the only three teams that can win it all are Georgia, Michigan, and Oregon. I will include Oregon in that list. And so I agree with you. The spread has probably gotten too high. It's probably too disrespectful to the team that did beat them and is still undefeated in their own right. It's pretty hilarious that an undefeated team is a 10-point dog in the championship game. That's not like a group of five team. You never see that. Uh, So I I have to pick a side. You either bet Washington or you pass on the game entirely. But – yeah, I mean, I do think Oregon's going to win. I do think Oregon's probably going to win by a touchdown or more. So that sixty-five over/under is also super goofy as well. But you made you made all these logical points to like where you're right. Oregon go like all these games. You think, oh, it's going to be close. They just go in there and they're going to. They basically it's the Roddy Piper metaphor of I'm all out of I'm, I'm here, here to kick ass, ass, and, kick ass and, and I'm all out of bubble. I'm all out of bubble gum. That's pretty much Oregon been the entire year. So I can see it too. And with Dan Landing, the one true sticking point to me was the Colorado game where his speech for everyone was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And he's just like, look, they're the social media darlings, but we're here to play football. And they wanted to run up the score. They wanted to prove a statement on Colorado, and they did that. So like I said, I think Oregon's going to win this game, but I think it's going to be closer. As for that total, I look at that total, and I'm just like, I don't know, 65 and a half. Just, we see that in college, it happens all the time, but – I don't know, but like I said, I think the Ducks go. Uh, sorry, also to the edge is the best Alex up there, but I think I think the Ducks are going to win as well. I I just know who's watching his Seahawks play right now. So he's got a couple big days ahead of him. But Saturday afternoon, we kind of get started with a game. It's not like this one where it's win and you're in. I think this one is win and you need help because ultimately, I think Texas is going to win this game. Unless look, last year, look at TCU and Kansas State. It was kind of the same thing where Kansas State really took it to TCU and won that game, I believe, in overtime. And now you have this dynamic with Texas where it's just like, hey, if you win, get some help, mainly a Bama loss, and there's a very good chance that you're getting in there. It's just, at the end of the day, I don't know if they are necessarily going to, especially considering their loss did come to Oklahoma, who did kind of struggle down the stretch as well. Yeah, I would agree with this. I think that they're going to need help. I do think they're going to win. Oklahoma State almost lost last week to BYU. Oklahoma State. They've had some good comebacks in the last few weeks. Yeah, and they 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 almost like if they had lost that BYU game, I look at the back tiebreaker scenario. But there was a world where they didn't make the title game at all. And yeah, uh, Oklahoma State uh, is is not they're not like a bad team. They it, it's it, they're a hilarious story though. They started the year horribly. They like lost a lot of their games to start the year. They were playing three quarterbacks. It was it was like absolutely ridiculous that they were like so bad because Mike Gundy's thing is that he always at least gets the team to eight wins. Like, he's the classic, yeah. we'll go eight and four, like, no better, no worse, even though they could have maybe made the college football playoff a few years ago if they didn't lose the Big 12 title game to Baylor. Uh, there are people that think they would have gotten in over Cincinnati if they won. Uh, but, you know, we'll never know. They lost, and then Cincinnati made it instead and made history. Uh, but in any event, uh, this they have a kid named Ollie Gordon who has been a monster this year. He has a shot to be... He has a shot to make the Heisman ceremony. I think he will if they win this game, but I don't think they're going to win this game. But if, if they were to somehow win this game and he were to rush for like 200 yards, I absolutely think he would have a spot in New York uh, alongside Bo Nix, Jalen Milrow, uh, Jaden Daniels, of course. And so I, I, yeah. I, they, they've been playing better, but still Texas is dominant. Texas, Texas has the best win of the season 
in beating Alabama at Alabama. That is still the best mm-hmm. win anybody has. I think Oregon can – I mean, I got, okay, like, excluding Michigan, of course, but, like, I'm talking yeah. separate from, like, the superpowers. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I, Texas is really dominant here. I think, And the thing with Texas also is that their D-line is really, really strong. They have, like, an NFL-caliber D-line. They have a few guys on that line they are going to play in the next level. And there's smart people that think that that's what gives them a chance against Oregon and Michigan. Not that it would work, but they have a shot because their front is so good. And so, unfortunately, the way the rankings came out where Florida State stayed at four, uh, which wasn't necessarily a guarantee. They didn't have to do it. It was the first time they ranked Florida State after Jordan Travis got hurt. So that was kind of their first chance. I mean, I guess, I guess, okay, after the UNA game, yes. But I mean, I mean, like after the Ohio State, Michigan, and all those other results, Texas and Texas Tech, all yeah. the rivalry games, their first chance after the rivalry week to rank Texas and Florida State. Based on where they put Florida State, they kind of put them at fourth overall. It's kind of hard to see them dropping with a win. It is not impossible. We've seen it before. Famously, TCU and Baylor were ranked third and fourth uh, way back way back in the day in 2014, and Ohio State jumped both of them the last week of the season. So it is certainly not impossible that Florida State could be, could be jumped by Texas if Texas were to win this weekend. However, it's just not looking very likely. And there's a really good thread on Twitter. Um, I, can, I, I don't know if we can, like, post it maybe in the chat box on YouTube. I can send it to you over DMs. Uh, there's a really good thread that breaks down what the betting markets are saying about the college football playoff. And the problem is Florida State's price to make the college football playoff matches exactly their money line price this weekend against Louisville. And so that's the odds makers telling you there's no world where they win and don't make the playoff. So unfortunately, I would not want it. Obviously, hate the Seminoles. I think they're insanely overrated. They were in- overrated with Travis there's another stat that came out recently that they had the third largest um, differential between their actual record and their projected record based on luck, point differential, all the power rating metrics, all that. They power rate Florida State as being a nine and a half win team. They're a 12 win team. And I've seen it. Yeah. I watched Clemson miss a field goal at the buzzer. Well, at the two minute drill, but still. I watched a Clemson yeah. kicker miss a 28 yard field goal to send the game into overtime. The kicker makes that kick and Clemson wins that game. And Florida State is not in the running for the playoff at all this weekend. And their game against Miami, they were very much on the ropes. Miami had the ball at the 50-yard line, a minute left, the chance to tie the game. They threw a pick. That's what Miami does. And Boston College, Boston College was down by two points. Two points. They get a stop on Florida State on third down. There's like a minute and 50 left. They had, they're about to get the ball back. They used all their timeouts. And then on a very delayed flag, an ACC ref throws a flag on Boston College for a personal foul on the tackle on Trey Benson, the Florida State running back, which gave Florida State an automatic first down, three knees, game's over. And they were only down by two points. All they needed to do was get in range for a field goal with plenty of clock left. So Florida State has gotten very lucky in close games this year. They, in my opinion, are not even guaranteed to win this game. I think they very well could lose it. We'll talk about them in a quick second. I know we're still in Texas, but... Unfortunately, viewers should prepare themselves for better or for worse. They are probably getting in if they win. It doesn't matter if we think that Texas is a better team. The committee has taken a stand. They will value an undefeated Power 5 champion over a Texas team that has a more impressive resume, but they have a loss. They have a loss to an Oklahoma team. I think what really hurt Texas is that Oklahoma kept losing. And I feel like if Oklahoma made the title game and Texas could like avenge their loss on Oklahoma, I feel like they would have a much stronger chance. But because Oklahoma State jumped them, 
I just don't think Texas is going to get that opportunity. And unfortunately, I think the Longhorns win. I think they have a shot to cover. Here's the thing. They're going to run up the score. Like, if they're up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, they're going to keep throwing. They know they have to win with margin. They have to look impressive. Very much like Ohio State years ago in that 2014 season, won 59-0 against Wisconsin because they knew they had to prove a point. So I actually think there is value on Texas on the spread because they're going to run up the score, because they're not just going to sit on the ball, play safe. They're going to try to win by as much as they possibly can. Uh, so I like Texas. Here's my, I like Texas in this game. Because here's the other thing, too. You're right. If this was Texas, if this was a rematch of what we saw in October in that amazing game in Dallas, like, again, obviously that's the Cotton Bowl. This game is going to be at AT&T Stadium, which is on right before, right in front of my eyes. But if it was Texas, Oklahoma, I would understand it because it's, hey, you beat the Sooners twice. But then the Sooners going into Kansas, which – Look, Kansas has gotten a lot better over the years, but it's still not that marquee college program yet. So it's not as big. But with this game, too, if Texas wins, like, say, 21 to 10, I'm just throwing a score out there. Obviously, the Big 12, there's no defense. So I this expect this game to be like 45 to 42. Um, but if this game is like a 45 to 10, you know, a pure just Texas put the horns up, ass whipping, that's when they get in. But if the Pokes keep this game close and even if Florida State were to lose to Louisville, I still feel like if they go in there just because it's the one loss was in the championship game, kind of like what happened to Texas, uh, what happened to TCU last year. They they went undefeated the whole season, lost the championship game, but still got in because of the resume. So I feel like with Florida State, they probably would do that over Texas. But if Texas wins convincingly and Florida State loses, that's where I think you see the Longhorns get into the playoff. Um, let's look. Oh, before you go, I was just going to say, we'll, 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 uh, I was going to do it by time, but we're going to skip over that. We're doing ACC next. We got it. We got to go. We got to jump right in that. I, I will say very quickly, I do agree that, like, yeah, what happened with TCU kind of sets the precedent. You can go undefeated, lose in the conference title game, and still make the playoff. I will say that this is a tougher year to get away with that because, like, yeah. you have, you have possibly Georgia and Alabama, both as contenders if Bama wins. You have, Every you have the Pac-12 guaranteed in, which they weren't last. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the field makes it harder for something like that to happen. Even though it is certainly, it is still certainly possible. But I feel like the field makes it a little bit tougher for them to get away with that this year relative to to last year, uh, in my opinion. Like for example, last year Ohio State was in the exact same position. They went undefeated. They lost to Michigan, and they needed like to get some luck in the conference championship game weekend, and they could sneak in, and they still got in as the fourth overall team. No questions asked, no problem. You know, that same team this year is basically has no shot. And nothing's changed. They went undefeated, they lost to Michigan, and it's really hard to see a path for them to getting in because I just think the field is tougher this year. There's tougher contenders this year. But, yeah, sorry. Let's, let, let, we can get that's, that's just it because you have all the big dogs. And I, I don't want to go into the Michigan game too, too much because I'd rather spend time on the other two. But the only thing I'll say about the Michigan game is as long as they don't lose, nothing's going to happen. And they're the same thing. Just they're going to win – the spread's at 22. It keeps climbing. I, I don't want to touch that just because 22 seems unfair. The only thing I'll say is if you want to watch a really boring game of football, I think that's what the Big Ten Championship game is going to be. Um, and I, I will just add a fun prop bet for this game. So, I would, mm. everyone, the total is 35. The total yep. is 35, and Michigan is favored by 22. If you do some quick math, they're basically the odds makers are saying the score of this game will be 29 to 7. They are projecting Iowa to score seven total points for the game. There's a hilarious bet that I saw on Twitter. You can find it at DraftKings if you're in a state that allows for these sorts of things. You can bet the over under on Iowa first half points, and it is set at 0 0.5. Oh my so god. If you, 
So literally, you bet the under on their first half, and you need zero points. No safety, no field goal. Michigan can't fumble in their own red zone and give Iowa a free field goal. That's a fun sweat. Over under 0.5 points for Iowa in the first half. And yeah, Michigan will win this game. Michigan will win. That's hilarious. But then with the ACC, um, look, I'll say this too. Louisville's another team that like they've just kind of like they went quiet for a few years and then they've come back to now where it's like they're really challenging. They got the big win over Notre Dame a few months ago. So with them, I can see a world where they like I can see a world where they win, but at the same time too, I can see this being a very close game. But Louisville just squeaking it. Not Louisville. Uh, Florida State's still squeaking out the win. I am obviously very biased. I hate the Seminoles. I would come up with reasons to tell you guys why the Seminoles suck, even if I didn't have them. Mm-hmm. It's not what I did. I have actual data, and other mm-hmm. non-University of Miami fans agree with me. So this is clearly not just a biased Miami fan perspective. Uh, we did play Florida State, I mean, uh, Louisville, uh, two weeks ago, after we played FSU, actually. And they, like, the Canes should have won. I mean, that's a thing with the Hurricanes. They always should have won. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, but Louisville, Louisville was impressive. Um, their, their offense played a lot better than I thought it would against our defense. Cause our defense had been on a roll for the last couple, like the last two months, Miami, Miami's problem was that Tyler Van Dyke kept throwing interceptions and like the Georgia, the Georgia tech game famously, they lost cause they didn't take a knee, but they were also 20 point favorites. And it was a field goal game because Tyler Van Dyke had three picks. So there were other problems that led up to that famous, not knee taken. And then they threw picks against Virginia they threw picks against uh, uh, NC State, and then Tyler got benched for the FSU game, came back to the Louisville game. But during that stretch where Tyler Van Dyke was throwing interceptions, the game's defense was usually playing really well, usually not allowing anyone to score 30 points. And Louisville scored 37. And I was there. I was at the game. Their offense was rolling. And that's not really as, like, believe it or not, what they're famous for this year is that their defense has actually gotten a lot better. They have a cornerback. Like, and you might not think this if you watch the Kentucky game where they gave up 38 points. But they have like this this cornerback, I forget his name, who's like gonna get some NFL buzz this year. And he was like making plays for them throughout the entire season. And they had had a really strong defense up until the last like couple of weeks. So that's I think is the decider for this game. Louisville gave up 31 points to the Canes. They gave up 38 points to Kentucky. If they play defense like that, they'll probably lose this game. Even with yeah. Tate Rodman starting for Florida State because the receivers are too good. With Johnny Wilson. Uh, fucking Keon Coleman. Yeah. Like I, I'm so excited for all these guys to graduate. Like I'm so done with this team and <laughs> Louisville, but I do think Louisville has a shot because they've demonstrated an elite defense early in the season. And then later in the season, they've kind of demonstrated an explosive offense. It's unknown if they can do it together at the same time. Um, but I think they have a chance. Their coach, Jeff Brom is one of the best coaches in the country. He was the head coach of Purdue refused to leave for years. And they, that Purdue team is the Purdue team that upset Ohio State in Dwayne Haskins' last year. The Tyler Trent um, story. Yes, exactly. And so, and like, he eventually took the Louisville job, but like, he was resistant to it for a long time. This is his first year at Louisville. And they're in the ACC title game as a 10-2 team with a chance to win the conference. This is his first year. He's an incredibly good coach. I think with the good coaching, with the potential for good offense and good defense at the same time, and with Tate Rodemaker still being an unknown question mark for Florida State, I think Louisville wins this game. I just, I also just think Florida State's due. I think they can't keep getting away. They're that Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> they can't keep getting away with it. They can't keep getting away with it. They're going to have to lose a close game eventually. I'm biased. I'm rooting hard for Louisville. But I really do think – I really I do think analytically there's reasons to think 
that Florida State will play another close game. This time they won't get so lucky. And so I, I, I like Louisville here. But obviously it would not surprise me at all if Florida State won. It would not surprise me at all if Louisville is too inconsistent on both sides of the ball. But I like Louisville. You know what? I'm gonna I gotta ride with them too because like I like once like uh, even too because I thought the spread was two and a half per second, but I realized I put in one and a half. So if it's one and a half, you're pretty much picking the winner. So I'm going to the same thing with the Cardinals too because it's like that. And as well, I have a surprise for you involving a team that uh, can't get away with it any longer after this. But um, the the big one of the day, the SEC championship. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say this right now. I love Alabama plus five and a half because I feel like every time Alabama is an underdog is when they shock the world. And if they win this game, that's truly all hell breaking loose for the committee. Um, one thing I'll say about them is Jalen Milrow as a quarterback has grown on me. He was terrible his first few games of the year, which can't, can't even put a player in the Thursday night football graphic. God damn it. Um, but with Jalen Milrow, he's grown as a player. Bond's a great receiver. Dallas Turner's going to be a stud in the NFL. Same with, I love the name Kool-Aid McKinstry. Just, like this is one of those teams where Alabama is like oh looking like like whatever, but then they had their game against Texas A&M close where they squeaked out a win. Tennessee whooped them in Tuscaloosa, so Alabama's really showing that like hey we're here. Meanwhile, Georgia Georgia still hasn't had that moment where they've played. I, I don't believe they played anyone of true not true significance, but you know they haven't played like that elite elite team yet. And there's a lot of people out there that are still skittish on Carson Beck. I feel like Carson Beck's going to be a good quarterback. He'll be good like an NFL quarterback one day. But you know what I mean? This is like his first true, true test. And I also saw the stat, too, that Nick Saban's, like, I think he's lost one game in his entire career in Mercedes-Benz Stadium since it opened in 2017. So I, I don't I don't know if I want to take the tie to win, but definitely to cover the five and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on Georgia to win, Bama to cover. Um, obviously, you know, it wouldn't shock anyone if this game was in the 20s. It also wouldn't shock me, you know, if it went crazy over with, you know, Milrow, like, throwing bombs down the field. Uh, but I'm kind of expecting a game in the 20s, uh, kind of like the under, uh, the total of 55. So I I think Bama could easily lose 24-20, you know, cover but not, not win the game. I Here's an interesting stat on Georgia. If you kind of look at their resume, Georgia has not played a ranked team on the road with the exception of Tennessee – either of the last two years. Not just this year, last year too. Either of the last two years, they never played a ranked team on the road. Tennessee was the first time. And that's not, obviously, like a top 15 team. Yeah. And so CJ Stroud nearly beat them in Atlanta in one of the best playoff games last year. Yeah, that, that, that's where I'm going. Like, So never played a ranked team on the road. That was top 15. They play a legit team in Ohio State and should have lost. And then one of the best playoff games ever, for sure. Same with Michigan uh, TCU early in the day. That was the best semifinal we've ever had by a yeah. mile by a mile and then but i bring this up because okay so they never play a ranked team on the road that's top 15 they almost lose to ohio state sure they destroy tcu and we're not trying to disrespect tcu but it kind of goes back to the like college football is like this when there's a big talent advantage disadvantage between both teams that's when you get like blowouts like this like the score is not reflective of how bad tcu was they beat michigan for crying out loud they have multiple players in the nfl it's just that it went, when you are so much better in the trenches, like Georgia was, than TCU, that's when it's like, okay, sure, the spread says 13. But the the line play is so much in their favor, that's how you lead to all those turnovers that Max Dugans was throwing in that game. That's how you lead to the Georgia offensive line just mauling TCU. So instead of like, oh, our line won this matchup, this run gains five yards. No, now it gains like 20 because like their trench play was just so much better. You usually see 
most blowouts you ever see in all levels of football are usually because the team that's blowing them out has a big trench advantage, which Georgia did in that mm-hmm. game. So you look at Georgia's resume, and it's like, huh, they haven't really beaten a lot of great teams the last two years, despite you know like winning the title last year. They really, they they really have kind of skated by, not playing a top fifteen ranked team on the road either regular season, beating Ohio State barely. It's like the resume is kind of thin. You can yeah. kind of like, struggled with Auburn this year. So did Bama. So it's hardly Auburn's Auburn's year was hilarious. They went six and six. They lost to New Mexico State, but they almost beat Georgia and Alabama. It's just yeah. it's incredible. And so I, I think Bama Jalen Milrow is playing better. Jalen Milrow is getting off a lot of deep shots. That's it. Like he's like the best deep ball thrower I've seen in a long time. Like he throws fifty yard touchdown passes like it's nothing, and he does it all the time. It's like. Earlier in the year, when he wasn't as good, he still had the potential to throw a deep shot, even when he couldn't do the other parts of quarterbacking very well. And now the deep shot stuff is still there, but he's gotten better at the other stuff. He doesn't have the dumb interceptions where he doesn't read the coverage. And he's a real threat on the ground, too. And Peyton Thorne had some success with their running game against Georgia. So I wonder if having a true dual threat – I mean, Joe Milton's a dual threat, too. But again, Tennessee's not as good as Alabama is. I wonder if having Milrow's running ability with their line play, with their backs, can maybe give them some success, get some third downs against the Georgia defense. Ultimately, I think Georgia's too good. I think this Bama team, I just can't get over what I saw early in the season. They're a lot better. I've been on the team. Alabama's better than you think they are for like a month. They're a lot better, but I can't get over seeing them get crushed by Texas and then struggling with USF where they benched Jalen Milrow. I can see a team like that rebounding, playing better as the year goes on, for sure, which they did. They beat the shit out of LSU. I can see that for sure. But can I see a team with that bad of a start rebounding to the point of making the college football playoff, beating the best team in the country? I just think it's too much to ask. And I, I've hated Bama my whole life. I've kind of liked them a little bit this year. I kind of think they're a little bit likable. I like Milrow. I kind of like this turnaround they've been on. I just think it's a little much to go from where they were to beating Georgia. I think the best we can do is cover but not win. Georgia 24-20. I, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm in the literal exact same boat as you where it's Bama keeps it close, but ultimately Georgia's just too strong to win. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to say this for who I think gets in ultimately with all these rankings. I think it's going to be Oregon gets in, Michigan, Texas, and Georgia. Those are my four. And I think I truly think those are the four best teams in college football. So I think that would be fun. Um, Hopefully Florida State doesn't win. Uh, God, if Bama wins. The last take I'll say in the Bama-Georgia game, I don't think it's impossible for Georgia to be left out. I know it sounds crazy to go from one to five, two-time defending champion, undefeated for two years. I know it sounds insane. But if you look at it logically, Florida State wins. I think they're in. The betting markets have said that. Michigan is – Michigan can maybe get in with a loss. Like, Michigan is as safe as you can get. I I don't – look, they're not going to lose, but I'm just saying. Uh, Yeah. Oregon is probably in with a win, and Washington would be too if they won that game anyways. So then the last spot would go to either Texas, Alabama, Georgia. There's no reason why Georgia should get in over Bama if Bama just beat them. There's no reason why Bama should get in over Texas if Texas beat Bama. So I, I, I think you really – I think the committee would strongly consider putting Texas in over Bama and Georgia. Or if it's like, no, 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 sorry, we cannot leave out the SEC. There's no world where we can leave out the SEC. I don't, oh, God, no. 
I don't see why if they both have one loss and Bama won head-to-head on a neutral field and they both have one loss, I don't see why Bama wouldn't get the nod over Georgia. So I think Georgia has a chance to not make the playoff. I think it's, again, we both think they're going to win, but I think it's more likely than people may expect. Oh, I'm in the exact same boat. I think the winner of the SEC championship game does get in. I'm just leaning. I'm just like I was saying, Bama keeps the game close, but Georgia ultimately wins the game. I can even see this game being like, you know, 24 to 23 and like Georgia wins on like a last second field goal or something like that. That's that's all That's all I got to say with that. Um, before we wrap up, obviously today, guys, it's a lot shorter of an episode, but Big Rat, today, it wouldn't be YWC football talk if we didn't have any NFL. And I know you always talk about this, but I want to present something to you, and it's my Personal Fab Five oh my for God. the it's NFL beautiful. weekend. Oh, I'm going to go into details on why I have everything here that I do. Oh, I love my first pick. My first pick is my Ultimate Patriots slowly at plus seven. I'm going to say this. For as bad as they've looked, I just think that there's something about LA I don't buy into. They just don't look right. Plus two, two of Herbert's worst career games have come against Bill Belichick. And also, too, this is a, it's a uniform bet. And also, I'm going to add this in, in as well. Maybe Zappy catches lightning in a bottle for one game. Next one, Denver plus three and a half. I, I like Houston and the Texans. I just think that this is a bit of a disrespectful line considering how good Denver's looked as of late. You know, where it's like plus three and a half. Um, next one I have, Detroit plus minus four. Last week got me off the Saints completely, and I think this is a perfect bounce back spot for the Detroit Lions. Simple, pure, as simple as that. San Francisco, meanwhile, I think Philadelphia, this is their Florida State week where last week they pulled a rabbit out of their ass. This week that rabbit's not there. I think because this is where this battle is going to be. That San Francisco D-line will not get pushed around with a brotherly shove like any other D-line has this year. That San Francisco D-line is just built with dogs. And then Cleveland plus three and a half because I think a lot of people are buying into, I know the Cleveland quarterback situation is wonky, but the Rams just whooped the Cardinals. The Rams have been losing to good teams all year, and they've been beating up on bad teams. And this is not a bad team coming into town, even if it's Joe Flacco, quarterback. I feel like if at the end of the day, I trust the Cleveland defense more than I trust the LA Rams defense. So there it is, Griff's Fab Five. Oh, my Lord. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) It's so beautiful. On the Chiron and everything, this is perfect. Uh, I... Uh, so there's some of these games that I'm like not taking personally, but if I had to pick a side, I would pick the side you picked. I don't, I'm not on the opposite side of any of these. Uh, I really, uh, the Browns, especially plus three and a half. I like a lot. I think, I think I've, I've, I've always kind of been on this Rams team is a little overrated. The Rams record is largely propped up by beating the Seahawks and the Cardinals, two division mm-hmm. opponents that they swept. Like that's like literally four of their five wins. So like, well, they've been nowhere near as good outside the division. So I'm curious, with that defense, we kind of saw when the Rams played Philly that they're, when the Rams play a team with a really good front, their whole offense kind of can fall apart a little bit. Uh, so I wonder if the – I know the Browns have some injuries, but I wonder if with their D-line they can be able to maybe uh, force a tough one for them. So I love it. I love Griff's Fab Five. I love the zappy pick. Uh, is, Malik, is, is Malik Cunningham going to get, uh, like, QB draw packages, you think, or no? I don't think so. I think maybe they might throw it out somewhere, but it, Zappi's been QB1 all week in practice. I think this is his week. Plus two, the last time they played in the 1 o'clock slate in these Patriot red throwback uniforms, Bailey Zappi beat the Detroit Lions 29-0 with yours truly in the building. But I think the other Justin Herbert thing does ring true of his two of his worst games of his, of his career. 
have come against Bill Belichick. I know the Patriots look bad. They Hell, we just lost to Tommy DeVito, for God's sakes. But also to every bad team, every dog has its day, every blind squirrel finds a nut. I think this is New England's day for that. And then Denver, too. I The reason why it's three underdogs, I don't know if you saw this, but favorites went, like, I think 12-4 and four or 13-3. and three. It was ridiculous. The, all, like, favorites cleaned house last week. I think this week you're going to see some dogs barking. I don't know if they'll like, – like the Patriots, I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I definitely think – they keep it close because if you look at it as well, LA, the only team that really blew up this year is Tyson Bajan. And even still, I would take Bailey Zappi over Tyson Bajan. Yeah. And I, 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 I was, I know, you know, me closet, uh, Belichick fan love mm-hmm. listening to like a lot of your Patriots, uh, beat writers and reporters, etc. And I agree with their logic that Bailey Zappi, like when you give him the full week of reps, make him the starter. Like it's there, you can expect something different than just having him come in mid game, second half, two minute drill, and try to save you. Uh, Mike White for the Dolphins, he, the Dolphins beat writer Omar Kelly, he has this little game that he likes to play with guys in the locker room, which is called 10 Things. And he basically asks them 10 different questions. And one of the questions is always, what's the hardest thing to do in football? And he asked Mike White this. And Mike White said, in his opinion, the hardest thing to do in football is not playing quarterback. It's being the backup who comes in off a of benching and has to save the game. And he specifically said, like what Bailey Zappi's doing in New England, that's the hardest thing to do in football. So as bad as he's been, I think with the full week of reps, with the with the whole team knowing, okay, he's the starter, he's the guy, I fully expect him to play a lot better. So, yeah, love your picks. I'll throw out my five really quickly. I like the Jets plus two. Uh, elite quarterbacks throw interceptions against the Jets defense. The turnover-prone Desmond Ritter probably will as well. And the beauty of plus two against Atlanta specifically, Atlanta more than any other team can win a game by one or two points. Like they're one of the few teams where under three actually matters uh, because they kick so many field goals. So I like the Jets plus two. I like the Packers on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. I think despite the Chiefs beating up on the Raiders, I think it's hard for their offense to cover a six-point spread. Uh, It's too inconsistent. So I like the Packers there at home in Lambeau. Love the Packers there. I Also love the Titans, plus one. I don't know if Indianapolis is going to sweep them. It kind of feels like Indianapolis can't keep winning all these games every week. On a golden rule, too. Yeah, of course. And home division underdog. And Mike Vrabel is usually a trusted home division underdog guy. And, I mean, really, Gardner Minshew is going to go seven and five? Like, they're going to make the playoffs if they win this game. Like, because they still still play the Texans twice. So I I, got to think the Titans, they're at home. The Titans are undefeated at home this year. I think the Titans trip them up and win this game. So Jets, Titans, Packers, and then we'll throw in Arizona with our old boy, Mike Tomlin, in the Mike Tomlin spot. He's great against great teams at home. He usually struggles against the really bad teams at home. For whatever reason, over the years, those are the teams that can win the game outright or at least keep it close. I think five and a half is too many points. Like the Chiefs, I don't think the Steelers' offense should be favored by this many points. Yes, Matt Canada fired 400 yards of offense. I get it. It's a funny meme. They still only scored 16 points against the Bengals. If they score 16 points in this game, the Cardinals are probably going to cover. So give me the Cardinals. Plus five and a half. And then, yeah, my fifth one, I haven't decided yet. Any of yours. I like them all. I like the Browns. I like the Niners. All of them are good. My two personal favorites from here, though, is the Browns and it's the Niners. Those are my two personal, like, if I have to rank them in order of what I think is most likely the least likely to cover, I put I put it at, put it there. I put Broncos at five. Like, I think they're good. I just think... Who knows what Houston team we're going to see this week. But the Broncos' defense has really come alive in recent weeks. And with San Francisco, this is a mix of a revenge spot plus two. Like we said, Philadelphia's got to have a clunker of a game because 
and here's the other thing too with this game. Dallas wins, Philly loses. That's the script writer saying next Sunday night in Dallas is going to be for a lot of marbles. So I can see a world where if Dallas squeaks out a win here, which I took them in my spread pool, plus I can't believe I picked Dallas to cover the spread here. Um, it's, it just sets it up for further drama next week. The other one I will say too is, and I don't know why, but Monday night I really like Cincinnati at plus eight. I, I like Jacksonville as a good team. I just don't trust them with that big of a number. Yeah. I, I, I like Cincinnati on Monday night too. Uh, I also think that I think people are just assuming they're dead because they lost to the Steelers at home. And I wouldn't be surprised if you get kind of like a resilient, you know, this is a prideful team. This team made the Super Bowl, made the AFC title game the last two years. A lot of guys with a lot of playoff experience. I don't think they're going to just lie down. And I don't think Jacksonville is the kind of team that you can trust to win by 10 to 14 points consistently. Like they strike me as a team that is susceptible to, oh shit, we're letting this plucky underdog resilient team kind of give us a fight today. So I, I very much like Bengals on the on the spread. I'm going to have a um, and then the last one I'm going to ask you about quickly, do we think Carolina's actually has a chance of bouncing back with the head coach thing, or do we think that they're truly bad? Because I feel like it's one of two things. One, they either get a win and everyone's like, hey, it's this, or they lose and we realize all along that, hey, David Tepper's just a in-your-nose micromanaging narcissist. It's interesting because, like, you know, lately it feels like the fired coach team always wins. Like, it's felt like that the last, like, few years. And, like, it even happened recently with uh, fucking uh, Antonio Pierce. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just – it's and, like, Rick Passaccia, too, the few years prior. Like, I, God, it, it seems like it always works. So, like, instinctively, I want to bet on Carolina to maybe win this game outright. But I don't know. I, I think this Bucks team is better than their 4-7 and seven record. I think – like, I, I was on the Bucks last week. It fucking sucked when Baker Mayfield got hurt on that goal line stand. They were on the one-yard line. They were about to score a touchdown. He gets hurt on the QB sneak. They put in trash. They kick a field goal. Difference between three points and seven points in a game they lost by seven. So I, I was very, very upset about that. But the point being, I think the Bucks and the Colts, they had the same power rating in DVOA. Here you go, Randy. I fit it in. They're 19th and 20th in DVOA, respectively. The market sees DVOA sees the Bucks and the Colts as similar teams. One is six and five, the other is four and seven. So it kind of feels like the Bucks at home are due for a win. This is the easiest game in their schedule. But the beauty is every time I use that logic for the Bucks, it's the NFC South. If they're at four and eight, they're not out of it. I mean, the Saints are probably going to lose this weekend. I think the Falcons are going to lose this weekend. So at four and eight, they're still very much alive, even if they lose. So it could happen. We'll see. Detroit is third in my confidence rating. It's just dependent on what Jared Goff we see. But I truly think that because, look, they had the bad game against um, Chicago and that they had a stinker on Thanksgiving, which I love that I called Green Bay on the spread that day. Um this is that Detroit Lion bounce back, and everyone kind of goes again. Hey, Detroit's just as good as we thought they were. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I know some there's some smart betters that like are on the Saints here because I guess they need the win. But like, I'm I'm with you. I think Detroit is a prideful team, a resilient team. I think they got embarrassed, embarrassed on national television. If they're the team we think they are, I think this is Dan Campbell rallying speech. Hey, like. Let's fucking go and let's get these guys. So I, I like Detroit to bounce back. Even I mean, maybe they win by exactly four. I don't know, but I, I like them to bounce back and win. I can see them winning like uh, what's a fun score? I could say same thing you said with the SEC championship, like a twenty-four to twenty. Yep, kind of that thing. Yeah. Anyway, guys, two sixty-four. Actually, wait, I gotta double check this again. I do this to myself all the time. I think I'm pretty sure it is two sixty-four, but I go on YouTube before every recording. And I do that. And you know what? It is 264. So for myself and Big Rat, guys, enjoy college football. Enjoy the NFL. We'll see you guys later.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.